imagine, like, what if Bluffton became a different place because the church started to live out what she was called to live out? What if she was reminded of who she was supposed to be and we started to live that out? What if we, as God's people here in Bluffton, what if we recaptured our hearts for Jesus and we focused on Him and then we lived out what God is calling us to live out? My friends, the unstoppable church that Jesus is building is built by bringing individuals together so that they would become something new together. That's what we are called to be, to be unstoppable. What's up, church? Good morning. It's good to see you here. It's good to see you too, Brandon. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> Sometimes, you know preacher. You just talk to yourself all the time. Uh, for not preaching to you and preaching to me. So that's uh, how it works. So I wanted to tag on uh, that crazy guy, Dave Ramsey, who's like yelling at you and stuff on the video. Um, okay. So uh, a lot of plans work. The problem is we don't work the plan. You get what I said? A lot of plans work. We just don't work the plan. God's uh, word, the Bible, has all kinds of biblical principles for our finances. And uh, Sarah and I, uh, I'll just give you my testimony for this. Uh, The reason why I believe so big in Financial Peace University is because we've benefited from Dave Ramsey and what he has done, what his plan is. You know, as a a, uh, student pastor, then associate pastor uh, in the past, we had, over the course of like six, seven years, we had been scratching and clawing at getting rid of all of our debt, you know, a van and uh, all kinds of other dumb things and then student student loans and, and all that. And over the course of time, last year, we got to the point where we wrote uh, the last payment to our debt outside of our home. So we got debt-free outside of our home last year. And it's because we just, we just sold out on this is what we're going to do. And so if, if you are at a place where like finances is ever like a stressful topic in your home, then I would encourage you to sign up for Financial Peace University. It starts October 13th, and uh, it's gonna be happening during first service, so if you normally attend second, come to first, go to Financial Peace, and then come to second. Uh, you can sign up with your connection card that is in your bulletin or in the seat back in front of you. You can just fill that out, put it on, on the back. There's a spot where it says events. Just put Financial Peace University, put your name on the front so we know who signed up. That would help, uh, and we'll get you the information. Put it in the metal box as you are leaving, and we would love to see you happen to your money, as Dave says, right? Other than your money happening to you. You ever had a moment, right, where you, uh, you look at your bank account and you're like, where did it all go? No, just me? Okay. <laughs> uh, so, so parenting, it's a lot like ministry. It's hard. Parents, can I get an amen? So, so parenting is a really like interesting dance that we have to do as parents because we want to raise up our kids to where they can like think for themselves, they can make right choices, make good decisions on their own. But then we also, at the same time, we want them to understand the value in having uh, good influences in their life. We want them to be confident enough that they can go into the path that they need to go in, but they, we also want them to be humble enough to, to where they will take wise counsel from people who are wise. Parents, you understand what I'm saying? Like, you know, you, when, when, they, when your kids were younger and you had to teach them how to tie their shoe, um, if you have kids who are older than that, you, you remember, like, they, they wanted so badly to do it, but a lot of times they felt, at least if your kids were like, are like mine, they think they can do it themselves. They don't want your help. 
but you know that you need to teach them, right? And so, so the same thing is true in ministry, okay? In ministry, we want uh, followers of Jesus to know how to read their Bible on their own, to pray, to, to practice spiritual disciplines so that they can grow in the Lord. But at the same time, we want them to be confident in that, but we, at the same time, we want to make sure that uh, followers of Jesus know that they don't buy into the lie that, that American culture tells you is that it's all about you, yourself, and me, myself, and I, you, yourself, and yourself, whatever. Uh, you, get, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and, and, and we want them to understand that uh, following Jesus means also being part of his body, which is the church. So the, the Bible uses this imagery about the church as being Jesus's body. And so you can't be connected to Jesus. This is what uh, American culture tells you, is that your faith should be uh, remain private because it's all about just you and Jesus, and you don't need to tell anybody about it. Don't talk to people about it because that needs to stay in your home. That's not true. In fact, what we see in Scripture is that when we are connected to Jesus, we're also connected to his family, to his body, to his people called the church. And the risk we run in, in parenting is we can, we can raise up kids who are really self-confident. They can, they're confident about themselves, but then if we don't cultivate those relationships in their lives, then they will become lone rangers who they just, they don't take any advice from anyone and they can't be swayed one way or the other. In the same way in ministry, if we always just believe that my, my faith in Jesus is just about me and God and it has nothing to do with the people around me, then we will raise up followers of Jesus who are not necessarily following the Jesus, the Bible, they're following something else. Uh, so in our, in our culture today, we have to uh, be aware of all the different things that are trying to disciple us in the ways that oftentimes are not in the same place that God wants us to go. So Hebrews, if you have a Bible, go ahead and open it to Hebrews. Uh, if you just hang a right all the way to the end, take a left a little bit, you'll get to Hebrews. I encourage you to bring a Bible. If you don't have one, let me know. I'll get you one. But I would encourage you to bring that because there's just something about being able to read the, the, the passages from the text to make sure that this Brandon guy isn't just putting random things on the screen. You know what I'm saying? So Hebrews chapter 10, uh, this is the Hebrew writer. He's writing to people in their day and time. They're in the midst of a culture that had all these beliefs that you need to sacrifice, to, uh, to you know, engage in sacrifice, to be in relationship with God. And what we see in Christianity is that Jesus was the fulfillment of the law that the Jews followed. And these people, though, were starting to become persecuted. And so they were thinking about going back to Judaism, going back to their old ways. And what the Hebrew writer is trying to get them to understand is that no matter what happens in life, Jesus is your focus. Jesus is everything. Jesus is all that you need. It's Jesus, nothing else. You don't have to add anything to Jesus. And this is what he says in Hebrews chapter 10, uh, starting in verse 23. This is what he says. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, since he who promised is faithful. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, since he who promised is faithful. So I'm, I'm going to go back up to verse 19. So if you have a Bible, you can look at that. If you don't, just listen carefully. Uh, Hebrews 10, verse 19. This is, puts this in context, and it's important to see. This is what he says. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, he has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. 
And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering since he who promised is faithful. So what is the Hebrew writer doing right here? He is telling us that our proximity to God through Jesus has changed. That because of Jesus, we now have proximity to God's presence. We have a closeness to God that we did not encounter, that we did not have in the past. Uh, anybody seen these commercials uh, that are going around? A lot of times it was from Verizon talking about 5G. Anybody put your arms up, hands up. 5G. Okay, some of y'all seen this. Okay, cool. So uh, 5G is a really interesting thing. And uh, if, you, if you're not like a tech person, it's okay. Just pay attention, okay? 5G is a cell, cellular technology that we're going to be getting to here soon. And it's really crazy, right? Okay, so 5G for, I'm not an expert, okay? 5G is really where we're headed technology-wise. So it's going to allow you to basically download, say, a movie. Say you want to download a movie to your phone, Guess how long that's going to take? One second. One second. A whole movie, like a legit two-hour movie downloaded to your phone in one second. Because the technology is changing. So what they're going to have to do to make this happen, the, the cell towers are going to have to go up even more because uh, the, the signal strength of this is going to be shorter in distance. So you have to be in closer proximity to the cell towers. Are you tracking with me here? You have to be closer in proximity to the cell towers in order to get the benefits of the speed. Okay, so they're gonna have to build up a bunch of other more cell towers. Okay, and then all kinds of things are gonna happen. They're gonna be able to do all kinds of cool things with technology and sports and games and all this different stuff because the, the, the response time in your technology is gonna be even faster than what it already is. Here's why I bring that up. Because what we see happening with 5G is that we're gonna be able to be so vastly quickly connected to the internet that it's gonna change a lot of things. Anybody ever go in a place that you don't, you lose signal? You're, you're, you ever do that? You still have it. It still happens, doesn't it? Here's the point. 5G comes nowhere close to the connection of the proximity to the presence of God that we have right now. 5G doesn't even come close to the fact that there is no place you can go in your life. There's no place that you can find yourself in. There's no place on this earth or anywhere in the universe that you can go where you would have no signal with God. He is always there. He is always close. It is instant. He can talk to you. You can talk to him at any moment in your day. And that is what happened when Jesus went and died on the cross and rose again to defeat death and sin in your life so that now we can have closeness with God. That's what he's saying. He's saying that you need to not forget that God is with you through all thick and thin of this life. When you go through difficulty, when you go through stress, what happens oftentimes? We end up getting distracted. We try to hold on to all of our problems because we need to control it. Anybody else do that? It's like, you know, okay, you go to the grocery store, right? It was a good trip, right? You didn't, you didn't give over to all of the snacks and the frozen food section. Like, you got some good stuff. You got fruits, you got vegetables, you got real meat. It was, it was, it was a good trip, right? You get home, okay? All of, your, all of your groceries are in your trunk, okay? So you go and, and you pop the trunk and then you look at it, right? You look at what is there and then you start to think. If you're anything like me, you start thinking, okay, I'm gonna get this in one trip, okay? You know? <laughs> 
right? It doesn't matter how many bags there are. Anybody give me an amen here? <laughs> oh, everybody is hype. Okay. So this is what you do, right? You get, get all the bags up. This is what I do. Get the plat. You got because you get plastic because you can do that with. If you get paper, you can't do it, right? Uh, so you get all the handles up and then you go in, right? And you go. And then, okay, your hand's good. And then, then you got to do it again and you get all that, right? But then you got like, oh man, I got to get the bread on the outside. I get the fruit on the outside so I don't like smash it all against my legs. And then, and then that milk is a problem, right? You know? Or detergent, any, you know, and then you're like one finger. You're like, mm, okay. And you, okay, and then you get it, right? And you walk up to the door and you're like, oh. <laughs> if you got somebody at home, you're kicking the door, you're like, hey, somebody, somebody help. Anybody ever tried to carry all those groceries and you dropped something important? Maybe the milk and it exploded at your feet? Anybody? Can I get a witness? Okay. Uh, I think that's what oftentimes we do with all our problems. We, we, we like, okay, I got this. I got to make sure I can pull myself up by my bootstraps. I got to deal with this because, you know, I'm, I'm independent. I'm an American. That's the American way. I got to pull it all up and I got to carry it with me because I need to be in control. I need to carry it all with me. I need to make sure that I've got all this. And what ends up happening is we drop the most important thing because what the Hebrew writer is saying is that you need to hold on to the confession of our hope. Anybody ever deal with some circumstances that, uh, you know, it's difficult and it's hard and it's stressful, but then it seeps into your bones, it seeps into your soul to where you start questioning whether God loves you. You ever been there? And that's oftentimes what happens when we're trying to carry all the stuff that we got in our trunk and we're trying to carry it in with us to the house so we can make sure we got it, so we can keep an eye on it because we got to control it. And then we end up dropping the most important thing. And so he's saying, hold on to the confession of hope that you have in Jesus. Nothing that you deal with, nothing that you go through in this life is apart from the presence of Jesus. He's with you through the thick of it. He's with you when you're down. He's with you when you don't know where to go. He is with you. So don't let go to the confession of hope. Don't let go. Then he says in, this, uh, in verse 24, he says, let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works. So, okay, think about this, right? He's talking about our, our relationship with God through Jesus and how that's changed everything and how we need to hold on to that confession, but then he throws in this random thing about watching out for one another and provoking one another to love and good works. Anybody uh, just think, like, if, you had, if, if people had your back, it would be a good thing. Somebody watching your six, you know what I'm saying? Somebody's got your back. That's a good thing, right? So what's the connection? The connection is that we talked about a couple weeks ago is that our relationship with God pervades into our relationship with people. And because we're God's family, as the church, because we're God's family, we need to watch out for one another through thick and thin, through all the different things that we go through in our lives. And what is the goal with that? The goal is for us to provoke people, provoke each other to love and good works. If you have a different translation in your Bible, it may uh, use the word spur on one another to love and good works. 
or good deeds. Spur on. You know, Mike has these cool cowboy boots that he wears a lot. You ever notice that? He's so cool, right? And I told him he needs to get some spurs on those things because that would be legit, you know? <laughs> that would take his credibility here like way high. You know what I'm saying? Like walk in with a little clink, you know? <laughs> Mike's here, we're going to worship here, you know? And he gets it going, and it's like, it's like an ad, it's like a tambourine, you know? <laughs> oh my goodness, I'm out of control. Okay. <laughs> okay, focus. Okay, so provoke. <laughs> so, you know, this is what I understand a cowboy to do, right? You, you spur the horse so that the horse will run faster, right? It, it causes the horse to do something. Well, our love for people, our love from God for people should, prov- should cause us, get this, to provoke one another to love and good works. Now, we usually use that word provoke in the negative, right? Like I'm provoking, I'm, I'm poking the bear, you know? I'm provoking some, some, some kind of craziness is gonna happen when we use that word provoke. It's not using it like that in this. He's saying that there, there's this level of love that we have because we love people with the way that God loves us. We love people in such a way where we are provoking them, we are moving them to love like Jesus loves and to good works. And, and for many of us, like the, the idea of provoking someone... You're like, I'd rather die, you know? Because <laughs> that's just not how you're wired. You're just like, I don't want to get in people's business. I don't want to get in people's group. I don't want to tell, like, I don't want to do that. But, but what scripture's telling us is that that's love. That if you're not willing to do that for someone, if you're not willing to receive that from someone, you're not loving. That's hard. Provoke one another to love and good works. We should care about people's relationship with God. So much so that we have a relationship with them where we can put our arm around them and say, this is where to go. This is, I'm, I've been watching your back. You know, this is, this is not good for you. Let's, let's go this way because this is what God would want. When, when I was thinking about this, 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 uh, this passage, uh, I couldn't help but think about this video. So go ahead and watch it. When I thought about that and I went back and watched it, (laughs) I got tears because I'm thinking about this in the context of that's what the church should be. 
that when you are down and out, when you don't believe that you can do it, when you don't, when, when everything else is telling you that this isn't going to work, when, when, when life happens and you're feeling broken, when life happens and you're feeling defeated, when life happens and you just don't even believe in God anymore, you need people around you who are going to cheer you on, who are going to encourage you, who are going to provoke you to love and good works and say, this is okay. We're still going to keep going. Jesus is still on the throne and he still reigns and you can keep following him because he still loves you. And I know you don't see it now, but just keep going. Just keep going. That's what we need. That's what we need to be for each other. Imagine if we did that for each other in the midst of life, if we went around each other and and cheered each other on to love and good works. That's what we are called to do as the church is to come around. And then when we see victories, we celebrate. When we see hardship, we mourn with each other. That's what it means to love, that we are in each other's lives in such a way that we are provoking one another to love and good works, to step into the life that Jesus wants us to walk. So do you have those kinds of people in your life? (laughs) Do you have that kind of group that's gonna cheer you on, that's gonna not just cheer you on in your preferences, but is gonna push you beyond that to the throne of Jesus? Do you have those people in your, are you, are you that person in someone else's life? Are you willing to cheer them on and encourage them and then when you need to, to provoke them in the right way? We need those people because this would make a world of difference. Because I don't know about you, but me, myself, and I don't always have it figured out. Oftentimes I don't. And I need to have people in my life who have permission to speak the truth of God into my life and say, Brandon, that is not the way. I see you're going this way. That's not the right way. We all need people in our lives who are watching out for us, who have our back, who have our six, and can say, hey, I see you, you you're drifting in that way. You're allowing that to, to, to come above you, loving your kids or loving your spouse or loving Jesus. You need to go this way, and I'm going to show you. I'm going to walk with you through it. That's what we need as the church. You know, there's uh, in First Thessalonians, Paul is talking to this church, um, and, and he's telling them, he's describing to them what was going on in his and his team's mind when he was with them. First uh, Thessalonians, I want to jump here real quick and, and just show you what it looks like to love someone in the way that God wants us to love. A couple images come to mind. First Thessalonians uh, chapter two, verses seven to eight. It's on the screen too. Although we, can, we could have been a burden as Christ's apostles, instead we were gentle among you as a nurse nurtures her own ch- children. We cared so much for you that we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had become dear to us. Paul, in a very real way, saw his life, his ministry, as, as becoming a spiritual parent to those in whom he was leading and to those in whom he was discipling, like a, nurse, a nursing mother for her child. And then he gives this image uh, in, in verse uh, 10, I believe. Yep, 10, 11, verse 11. As you know, like a father with his own children... We encouraged, comforted, and implored each one of you to live worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory like a father with his own children. Here's what I know. Here's, here's, many of us, we've been walking with Jesus for decades. Some of you have been walking with Jesus longer than I've been alive. Okay, and here's the reality. 
that many of us in this room need to move into the space of becoming spiritual fathers and mothers to those who are coming behind you. Like if you, if you grew up in church, if you were like born in the front pew, right? And you're like been here forever and you don't know any different. Are you at the level of your life in Christ where you are bringing others up with you? Church, our young people, our children, our students, the people who are still young in the faith, whether they're 20 or 40 or 60 or 80, they need you. They need you to, to care about their walk with God. That's what the Hebrew writer's getting at, is that you cannot follow Jesus and not care about someone else's eternity. Our love should be like a spiritual father and spiritual mother. Imagine what our church, imagine what the world would look like if those who have been uh, seasoned in the faith, who have veterans in this thing, would take it upon themselves to do just what the Bible says, for the older to disciple the younger and to care about what the next generation experiences. Here's, here's, here's a little trick and a little, little secret for those of you who are older than me. My generation and the ones coming behind me, millennials, us crazy millennials, <laughs> Gen Z, all that, we desire mentorship. We do. Sometimes we don't know how to ask it because y'all don't seem very open to it. But you can speak into the life of someone and I would implore you to do it. Our children's ministry could use so many people who just love Jesus and love kids. Our student ministry could, have, could use so many people who just love Jesus and love students. Our adults in this room who are still young in the faith could benefit so much from your wisdom and your willingness to just step in and love us. Church, many of us should be moving into spiritual fathers and mothers because that's what love does. Hebrews 10, verse 25, this is what the Hebrew writer says. He says this, and this is a uh, verse that if you've been around church for a little bit, you probably know because the preacher, it's like a, it's a preacher hall of fame kind of verse, right? Uh, <laughs> not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. So think about this. Verse 24 says, let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. Here's the, here's the reality. Our relationship with God needs to pervade into our relationship with people. And even in the first century, they were having an issue with people not attending church, <laughs> like, like gathering together. Even in the first century. Why is it so important that we would be in proximity to one another? Because there's value in just showing up. There's value in you just being here. And you just being here to where I can, I can, you can smile at me and I can smile at you and I know that you're gonna be here and I know that when I need something that, that, that I'm gonna be able to go to you because you're here, you're present. Like oftentimes, parents, like your kids, they, here's the thing. When I played basketball and upward, right, I, I was like an angry looking kid, right? It was like, like, like y'all were like, did, did I, do I, y'all, do you even enjoy it, Brandon? I'm like, yeah, I'm just, I'm into it, right? Like, uh, I'm here to win, you know? But like sports, sports games, right? A student sees you there, they may not even say anything to you 
But you know what you said to them? You matter. You matter. And, and our kids, our young people, our teens and preteens, they need people in their lives to care. And so there's value in just showing up. There's value in just showing up. Just be here. Because there's, a, there's an effect that happens when you have a lack of presence and proximity in your life to not only Jesus, the head, but also to his body, the church. It, it, I, I don't know how any of y'all like come to church like once a month or something like that. I don't know how you do it. I, I just, I really don't. I, I've told you this before and forgive me if I repeat it and you've already heard this, but like when I started going to church, I just assumed that that's what you did. Like when you, when you, if you're good about Jesus, then you just go to church like every week. I just assumed that. I'm so thankful for my ignorance <laughs> because that's not the case for a lot of people. I just read, read my Bible and went to church. Like that was just like, wow, an amazing work that that did in my own life. In my own heart, I really don't understand because there's something beautiful about the God's people gathering and proclaiming with one voice the, the magnificent glory and grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and how he is amazing. We lift up our voices and sing. There's something theologically rich that happens when we sing together. So if you stand there and you're just like, I don't like this song, I'm not gonna sing. It doesn't matter. Like the, you're, you're, you're at, You are refusing to participate in a heavenly worship service. You see, this happens up there, not just here. So when we gather together, there's something beautiful and amazing when it happens. Uh, for someone who didn't have a lot of like people around me outside of family who was, who was like loving me in that time of my life when I started going to church, it was just an amazingly beautiful thing to come because for, for those of you who like been here, been to church for so long and like church is growing stale for you, I don't, I don't, for, for someone, for me, take it from me, who didn't grow up in church and didn't have this every week and it didn't just become normal and it's like what we do, it's just part of our lives, just kind of like we just go to church, you know? And, and it's like, oh, it was good, and I'll go to lunch, and next thing. <laughs> I'm out of control, y'all. <laughs> Somebody turned the coffee off. Where's John? <laughs> y'all getting me too long. Okay. Okay. For me... It was life-changing to be able to be among a people who had a same common goal, who loved me, not because they knew me very well, but they just welcomed me with open arms. There is something beautiful that happens when we gather, when you just make the choice to be here. Like, okay, I'm a pastor, so you have to like, oh, he's a pastor, this is what he's supposed to do. But like, when we go to Dallas in October, like, it's going to be super inconvenient for us to go to church, to attend, to gather with God's people, because we're going to be in Indianapolis the night before. We're going to sleep. We're going to wake up at like three in the morning to get on a flight, to be at the airport at five in the morning, and then get on a flight at seven. As soon as we get to Dallas, Texas, you know what we're going to do? We're going to, we're going to get in our rental car and we're going to drive to a church. Why? Because I can't miss out on gathering with God's people. I don't know them. I don't know them, but they're still family. They're still my brothers and sisters in Christ. I have to do that. I have to be encouraged. You have to be encouraged. If you've ever been like you, like it's normal for you to go to church and then, and then you stop, that does something in you, doesn't it? It does. And we've probably all been there. And we just, that's why this is so intricately connected for us to just be among each other. 
You know, the interesting and unfortunate thing is the effect of a lack of presence and proximity to God's people and to what he's doing among them is that it impacts your heart. It impacts your soul. You grow to become more discouraged and weary much faster. You worry more. I'm just, I'm just guessing. And then you know what this also does for those of you who have kids? Every time you choose to do that thing over, over gathering with God's people, every time you choose to do that thing over gathering with God's people, you know what you teach them? This doesn't matter. This isn't important. And so then 20 years later, we wonder why our kids are like, <laughs> church, <laughs> tried that. I didn't do that. We wonder why. We taught them that. We taught them that. So we have to lead from the front, parents. We have to value that. Johnny winning the soccer championship in the grand scheme of eternity, doesn't matter. Not likely going to be in the MLS. I'm sorry. <laughs> Football, it doesn't matter. Like baseball, it doesn't matter. Those are good things to have your kids in. But also, guys, 100 years from now, what will matter? Their relationship with Jesus. That's it. And we have to lead from the front. Prioritize what you would want them to prioritize. Okay, I gotta hurry up because I'm, I'm going crazy. Okay, four, four commitments we can all make. Four commitments. First, make a commitment to Jesus. Like, that's the foundation. And when you make a commitment to Jesus, you also make the second commitment. This is, just goes along with it. You make a commitment to his body, to the church. And the third commitment goes along with that. You make a commitment to your own walk with Jesus. Do you prioritize that into your life, into your week? And the fourth thing, and this is where we all could probably use a lot of work, is to prioritize others' eternity. See, because what the Hebrew writer is saying is that there is a connection between our love for God and our love for people, and the kind of love we are supposed to love people with is one that cares about their relationship with God. And for a lot of us, we're just like, oh, provoke one another, love and good works. Provoke, I just don't like that because I'm getting in people's grill, I'm getting in people's business. Welcome to the family. That's why God calls it a family. So we need to just, at the end of the day, eliminate the excuses of, of not gathering. We just need to eliminate the excuses at the foundation. We just have to eliminate them. What are your excuses? Oh, I'm sorry, Jesus, I had to do this. We have to just eliminate them and step into what God would want. And, and here's, uh, <laughs> if church has grown, grown stale to you, here's what I'm convinced of. And I can support this with scripture. You're not leaning into it enough. If church has grown stale, if, if this is just like a thing that you do, and you're just like, ah, oh, whatever, like, ah, uh, it's because you're not leaning into it enough. You're not leaning into God's family enough. You're not leaning into a community group enough. You're not leaning into serving on a ministry team enough. You've got to lean in to the level and degree in which we lean into joining God's family and joining God's mission is the degree to which we will be excited about what God is doing. Because if you're leaning out, you're not going to see it. You're not going to notice when God does something amazing. But when you're leaning in, it changes everything because you're in it. You're in it. So we all, this is why we do community groups. This is why we structure them the way that we do. Because it allows us to answer this question with people in mind. This is the question I want us all to consider. Who has permission to provoke you toward loving as Jesus loves? Who has permission in your life to provoke you? 
Ain't nobody provoking me. <laughs> right? Who has permission to provoke you toward loving as Jesus loves? For many of us, we probably don't have a long list. But you know what Jesus would want us to have? A longer list than what we have. And so this community groups are structured in a way because when we split men and women and go to different places in the house and we have a discussion on, this is what scripture says, this is how it's coming to bear on my life, and this is, how, this is what I'm gonna do with it. That allows us some space to, to be receptive to others provoking me and you provoking them to love and good works. We have to be provoked. We have to step into that. And we also need to lean into God's mission. And that means serving on a team. If, you, if you're not in a group and you're not serving on a, on a team, a ministry team, you're missing out. And this church is missing out on what you could be about. Because we need more people who are gonna love Jesus and love each other, who are gonna serve each other. Whether it's guest services, serving the children's ministry, on the worship team, whatever. Like it doesn't, whatever God has gifted you in, God can use you in our midst. And we will be stronger because you lean in. So what could be? Imagine what it would look like for us to spur one another on to where God wants us to go. Imagine what that would look like to have spiritual mothers and fathers for your kids. To where it's not just about you, but there's other people saying the same things about Jesus that you're saying to your kids. Wouldn't that be awesome? And guess what? You could be that for someone else's kid too. Whether it's in our children's ministry, in our student ministry, there's a place for you. You don't have to just be a teacher. There's all kinds of other opportunities. For those of you who don't like to be on the front line, you can be in the background and still support what God's doing through those ministries. Imagine seeing more young people radically sold out for Jesus. Like, wasn't it cool to see Mallory Dove be up here and we prayed for her and sent her out to go and serve Jesus for her life? Wouldn't you want to see more of that? Wouldn't you want to see more, more young people grow up through college and enter into the marketplace and be a light in the midst of that darkness? Wouldn't that be amazing? Preteens, teenagers, you don't have to wait to be used by God. You can be used by God right now. You don't have to wait for you to grow up to this point or this thing. There's all kinds of value you can add right here and now. Fill out a connection card. Put yourself, I'm interested in the ministry team. We will get you involved. I'm serious. Because you have value. So here's, here's what I'm just gonna encourage all of us to do is to take a core next step. Some of you, you, you don't know Jesus. You, you've you've kind of come in here. You don't even know how you got here maybe. you know, It's like I just kind of wandered in. I'm so glad you're here. And Jesus loves you so much. And he's calling you to surrender to him because that is what life is. In the grand scheme of eternity, all that will matter is your relationship with Jesus because he is the only one who can deliver you from your wretchedness. And that is what is true for me and all the people around you. This is what we came to know, that we were broken and defeated, but we needed one who could put us back together again. And that is Jesus Christ. So if, if that's not a decision you've made to surrender to Jesus, I would love to talk to you after service. Just come up here and let's talk. But for many of us, uh, here's, here's something I'm gonna be talking about a lot here soon and starting now. The importance of serving one and attending one. We have two services. I don't know if you knew that. Serve one, attend one. It's pretty simple, right? Join a ministry team. Serve one, attend one. Serve one, attend one. Serve one, attend one. Step into what God is doing. There's gonna be something that shifts in your life when you start to join God's mission in his church. 
And then if you have not joined in a community group, join. I'm hearing so many good things from our groups that have just started to meet. God's doing things already, and the groups are still young. So church, would you stand? We're gonna pray, and then we're gonna sing together with one voice to our awesome God.